night we are in a passage that's well loved and, and quoted from Second Chronicles chapter 7 uh, verse 14 and shared a lot especially when we start talking about and thinking about revival in the past few weeks at, at night um, I've been focusing on humility and humility is certainly uh, a key point with a revival and so, uh, turn me to Second Chronicles chapter seven, and we're going to look at verses eleven through fifteen tonight. And when you find that, I ask you to stand in God's honor. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace. The Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Let's pray. Father, thank you for an opportunity once again to approach you, Lord. Father, we are to come with humble hearts, Lord. It's the only way to come, Lord. Your word tells us that the sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite heart. And you will not despise us when we come in that manner, Lord. And so, as we look at your word, may we just look to you, Father, in a humble fashion. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's think about times where God showed up in his power um, during the... Welsh revival, which is well known, God just broke out and people became excited about God and their lives were changed. And so uh, there was a news reporter from London who came over to that area and he asked this policeman, he said, I'm trying to find out about this revival that everybody keeps talking about. He says, what can you tell me about it? And the policeman put his hand over his heart and he said, the revival has begun in here. And, and that's really the basis of revival. Revival is not something that breaks out across town or across the aisle of a pew. Revival is not something that breaks out somewhere else. Revival is something that breaks out here. And then it moves out among God's people uh, Charles Finney defined revival. Nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. Just as in the case of a converted sinner, the first step is a deep repentance, a breaking down of heart, a getting down into the dust before God with deep humility and a forsaking of sin. It, it's humility. Um, Gypsy Smith evangelist, here's his recipe for real revival. If you want revival, here's what you do. He said, go home, 
Lock yourself in your room, kneel down in the middle of your floor, draw a chalk mark all around yourself and ask God to start the revival inside the chalk mark. (laughs) When he has answered your prayer, the revival will be on. Now, as we look at our scripture here in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, he starts out here, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. What do we read here? We start out in verse 11 and we read about Solomon who fulfilled his dad's dream of having a temple built to pay tribute and honor to be able to worship God. But God said, no, you're not the one I want to build the temple. It'll be the job of your son. So Solomon was able to complete that job and there was a resting place for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And then he goes on and he instructs, God instructs Solomon, instructs Israel, what to happen if there is a pestilence? What to happen if there's a, a tough time in the land? He says there's no rain or locusts devour the land or a plague among my people. Yeah, I call it God sending a spiritual spanking. What are you to do? How are you to react? And thus he gives these commands. He says... First, this is not to those outside the body of Christ. This is God's people. This is to his family. He says, my people, if my people who are called by my name. Christians means little Christ. We're God's people because we're part of his family. It says, yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We enter into his family, not through natural birth, but through spiritual birth. And he adopts us. He grafts us into his family as we become part of him. And as he does that type of work, he calls us to humble ourselves, to pray, which is that divine connection of listening and speaking to the Lord, uh, having that uh, uh, ability to connect with the living God. It's just amazing that God has provided that. And he says to turn from our wicked ways, being willing to be honest. See where we are in those areas that are not pleasing to God. And say, okay, God, this has got to change. There's got to be a turnaround or a turnabout. He says, when we do that, we seek his face. That's what that's about. Then God says, I'm going to heal your land. I'm going to bring some healing. He says, I'll hear from heaven. He says, I'll forgive that sin. I'll, I'll heal that land. Look at the outline here. As we talk about humility, as we talk about revival first... Pride hinders genuine revival. (laughs) There's a guy named Harry Morehouse who God used in a powerful way wherever he seemed to go. And he was in one American city and he couldn't figure it out. I mean, they did everything it appeared to be right. People were coming, but seemed like God wasn't working, and he was really broken over that. He was praying, he was fasting, he was trying to figure it out. Then he went outside one day, and he happened to look up at the sign, the marquee sign. And on the sign, it said, the Harry Morehouse, the most famous of all British preachers. And he said, oh, that's why nothing's happening. So he went in to the people, and he said, look, guys, he said, you've advertised the wrong person. This is not about Harry Morehouse and what little bit he can do. This is about Jesus Christ. The one who came to to forgive, 
the one who came to heal, the, the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. Not me. Pride can stand in the way. If anything's going to get done, it's got to be bigger than me. It's got to be bigger than you. And that falls under one name, Jesus Christ. As it says in the book of Acts, there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And um, that's simply the Lord. God hates pride. Proverbs 16.5 says, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. What's the ultimate pride? Just rejecting God. Just saying. Got a hand out there? Um, Well, it just means rejecting the gospel. It just means God came, he died for us, and we say, Jesus, I'm not going to receive you into my heart and and get that forgiveness. That's what really, that's the only thing God says I'm not going to forgive you of. And all it really means is I'm so hard-hearted, I'm not going to listen to you, God. Receive your gift. Because he forgives us and he loves us. But the one thing he can't forgive us of is when we just say, God, I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to give my heart to Jesus Christ. I mean, that's just so critical. Radar. Um, pride harms the individual. Uh, pride brings destruction. You guys heard this. Proverbs 16, 18, and then 19. Pride goes before destruction. A, hearty spirit, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. And then pride brings shame. Uh, Proverbs 11, 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Oh, boy, we fall down when we try to lift ourselves up. And when we willingly fall down, God promises to lift us up. Uh, James 4, 10. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. He'll exalt you. Uh, see, pride leaves little hope for improvement. Now listen to this verse. Proverbs twenty six twelve. Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. And when I think I've got it all together, when I'm not willing to listen, when I'm not teachable, I'm getting ready to have a big fall, a big collapse. Because the truth of the matter is, We all are a mess. And we all need a Savior. And we all need one to help us. I remember sometime back, I I was thinking about this, and I thought, now this is a real pessimistic way to look at things. I try to be optimistic. But the truth of the matter is, life's tough. And it seems like we're either just coming out of a storm, in a storm, or getting ready to go into a storm. But none of us are strangers to the storm. But isn't it great to know that in the end, the Savior covers it all. There's no one beyond His reach. There's nothing we've done that's so bad that He didn't die on the cross for it. To, you know, that, that's our God. Uh, but we have to be humble enough to say, God, help me. Till we get to that point, we're in trouble. That's the gospel. Uh, pride causes a person to forget God. Psalm 10, verse 4. You know, it's interesting. I, I first tried to learn this verse. Um, it was on the only mission trip I guess I went on with the guys down to Florida. Poor Mark had some teeth problems, some dental problems. I remember that. We were sitting together, and this verse, I was reading it, and I thought, man, I need to learn that. And it's Psalm 10, verse 4. And it says, um, now I have to look at it. In his pride, the wicked man 
does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Man, isn't that a sad verse? In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. You know, someone has said, what's right in the middle of pride? I. In his pride, the wicked does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. That's a sad place to be. No room for God. Um, James 4, 13 through 16. Now listen, you who are saved, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. As it is, you ought to say, we will live in... As it is, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and, and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. That's the picture. The guy says, I'm planning everything out in my life. I'm in charge. It's my schedule. I'm in control. But here's the deal. God can change my schedule anytime he wants. And if you hadn't found that out yet, just wait. That's uh, that's because uh, he is God, and uh, we need to remember him. God knows how to keep us humble. <laughs> a visiting evangelist felt pretty good about his preaching. He thought he was doing a great job. Uh, then he, after the service, he stood at the door, waited for people to come out. This one lady, she comes through, and she looks at him, and she says, It's too long, too long. And she circles around and comes back as people are coming out. And then she looks at him and she says, That's too loud, too loud. And then she comes back one more time. And she says, And besides that, it was boring. <laughs> well, you know, the poor guy thought, What in the world? And a guy came up to him and he said, Preacher, don't worry about it. I mean, she, after all, she's a little senile. I said, you can't really listen to everything she says. She only repeats what she hears other people saying. <laughs> oh, sometimes we need to be humbled. Um, God has a way of doing that, reminding us of our weakness. Pride makes us blind to our own true spiritual condition. Remember the church at Laodicea. This is in the book of Revelation, to the, one of the letters to the seven churches. It says, to the church, the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. You know, we have to be really careful because God has chosen to bless us all so much. That if we're not careful, we forget where those blessings come from. I'll never forget, years ago I read Scott Wesley Brown, who's a Christian musician. I haven't heard him in a while, this music. But 
this is back when the Berlin Wall was still up, you know, and you had East Berlin and, and West. And, and he had gone over to the communist side and uh, he took his guitar over there and he was meeting with believers. And he had, you know, it was a part of the underground church and he was singing and, and worshiping with them. And as he was getting ready to leave, he said, what can I do for you guys? And they looked at him and said, well, we don't have a guitar. And Scott said, you can have my guitar. You know, he was like, yeah. So he gives him his guitar. And they come and they, you know, and, and they're all hugging him. And they said, he said, I'll pray for you. He said, well, we'll pray for you. And he's like, okay. And they explained and said to him, said, over here, we're persecuted. Over here, it's hard to be a believer. So we have to stay close to God. But you have so many freedoms. It's harder to stay close to God. So we want to pray for you because you may have it harder. I read that and I thought, wow. What a thought. Easier to drift without a need to hang close to the Savior, to the Lord. Um, uh, Here's some quotes about pride and humility. I, I actually read this, I think, the last one of the last messages on humility. I used to think God's gifts were on shelves one above the other and that the taller we grew in Christian character, the more easily we could reach them. (laughs) I now find God's gifts are on shelves one beneath the other. It's not a question of growing taller, but of stooping lower. Safety mind. Billy Graham. I've never known a person whom I thought was truly filled with the Holy Spirit who went out and bragged about it (laughs) or sought to draw attention to himself. You know, it's like the church that gave the pastor the an, uh, a humble badge and they wouldn't let him wear it. <laughs> you know, humility's not... It's almost like if you know you have it, you're in trouble. Because <laughs> you're proud of it. <laughs> it's something that occurs when you look to the Lord, not when you look to yourself for it. That's the way it works. And then one more, Jonathan Edwards. Nothing sets a person so much out of the devil's reach... As humility. As humility. As our text says. uh, When we humble ourselves. What happens? Um, I'll look back at verse 14 here. He says. If my people who are called by my name. Will humble themselves. And that, that involves prayer. We talk a lot about prayer. I wonder how much we pray. I'll never forget. Uh. And it was kind of interesting because one of the Korean pastors spoke at Lydia at my daughter's graduation. And there was a time, I can't remember how long ago it was now, it's been a while back, but there was a revival in Korea and Christians, there were Christians being born again at twice the rate people were being born in Korea. God was moving. And people had, you know, there was this, well, why is the church growing so dramatically? Why are so many people getting saved in Korea? Here's what it came down to. In the Korean church, the church was faithful. Many, many people were getting up at five in the morning and praying for two or three hours every morning. Is it any wonder the church was doubling in size? It was kind of interesting when Dr. Kim spoke at Lydia's graduation because he was being really gentle with us. (laughs) He was saying, you know, he says, America has such a wonderful heritage. And he went on for a while and he talked about how God had blessed our land and how he had worked. But then he said, 
But you are in danger of losing what you have fought so hard to have. And then he challenged us to pray. Challenged us to pray. And when we pray, what's going to happen? We align ourselves to God and we seek his face. And when we seek his face, what happens? We say, oh man, I've got to turn from this. This is an agreement with God. So we turn from our wicked ways. And when that happens, God steps in. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we've talked tonight once again about humility and how it's such an important part, Father, of making an atmosphere where you're comfortable, where you're welcome. Father, when we're not willing to humble ourselves before you, you're not going to show up. You're not going to present your power, your presence. That comes when we humble ourselves, Lord. So here we are. You know all of us, Master. No fooling you. We may play games with one another, but we're not going to win that with you. You are the God that sees everything. I love Hebrews. Well, I don't know if I love it. But Hebrews 4.13 that tells us, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. Wow. You don't miss anything, Lord. So, Father, here we come before you tonight. And we really want to humble ourselves, Lord. Do what you wish in us and through us for your ultimate glory, Lord. As we stand, as we sing, as we pray, as we, some maybe come to the altar, some right where we are, just work, Lord. May you be pleased. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.